Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and what if? I'm Alex. What if? I'm Justin. How now? What if? (laughs) How now, brown cow? What if brown cows were not brown? That's a thing we can explore. truly made chocolate milk, like we all speculated. That would be nuts. We are going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 7 of What If. What if Thor were an only child? So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. But you can kind of figure out where this is going based on the title, as usual with these episodes. You get Party Thor throwing a rager on Earth that may or may not lead to the destruction of Earth. Jane Foster gets caught in it. And Captain Marvel pummels him a bunch until ultimately his mom comes home and shuts down the party. And then there's a big twist at the end involving Ultron and some Infinity Stones that I'm sure we'll get to and talk to talk about later on. Uh, But just to mention the actual what if scenario here, Loki gets handed back to his dad by Odin instead of getting adopted. And that leads to a freer Thor who feels even less of the weight of responsibility than he did in the movies. And it's my understanding a lot of baby situations work this way, where like a nurse mm-hmm. hands you a, a baby and you're like, mm, not interested. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> and you go back to your uh, your loving... It's, I believe it's a volleyball situation, right? Like if they yeah. throw you the baby and you can spike it back to them, yeah, the, ba- exactly. the baby's theirs. You don't have to keep it. I would uh, start with a bump and then maybe a set before you go right to the spike, uh, mm-hmm. Alex. All right, I'm uh, just not a from big the babies. Volleyball guy, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. What? No. You are. Uh, yeah. So, here I'm going to talk about the positive of this episode, and then I'm, I'm going to talk about, in my opinion, the negatives of this episode. The okay. positive of this episode great to see the whole Thor cast back together for the most part. Obviously, didn't get Anthony Hopkins. He's asleep the whole episode, so no lines. Maybe they did bring him in and he didn't dialogue anything. I don't know. There was some good Anthony Hopkins breathing they threw in here. They, yeah, they probably pulled it right out of the soundtrack of Silence of the Lambs and just reused that. We didn't Mm. get Rene Russo. We got a new voice actor there. Josette Eels did that and a couple of others. But for the most part, you got your Chris Hemsworth. You got Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Kat Dennings. Uh, lots of other people, Guardians of the Galaxy folks show up. Jeff Goldblum is there from Thor Ragnarok. Taika Waititi, who I don't think had any lines, maybe? I saw that strange, I found that strange. There was some uh, sucking of a pacifier uh, briefly there, which I was like, huh, is that what they got him in to do? Yeah, but regardless, great to have all of those folks. I know we've talked around this a lot, but it is... A very nice bonus of this show to have the original actors doing the voices. That's very fun to see. It's impressive. It's impressive they're able to pull in so many of the actors because it really does, like, to have Chris Hemsworth here makes it so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, 
gives the what if that boost that it it's the real quote unquote real character that we're seeing in this whole new context. Yes, the downside I'm going to throw out there. I'm I'm starting to feel like what if is fine. Like, a, like right in the middle of fine, not bad, not good. And, uh, you know, I know this is not like ripping it to shreds or anything, but I watched this episode and like a lot of these episodes we've talked about, it feels like it suffers from a little bit of a lack of ambition. Like, I mm. love the idea of Thor throwing a rager so big it almost destroys the earth. But ultimately, the party doesn't seem that big for the most part. Like, there's one or two touches Oh, they're on that, a bridge at one point. They went to Australia from Vegas. The jokes were a little limp for me. I think that's what I'm getting at here. And a, overall, the fact that it wasn't actually destroying the Earth, that he was like, no, no, we're not going to destroy the Earth. What are the stakes there? It was just kind of a goof to watch, which is fine if you're into the characters, which, of course, we are here on this Marvel podcast. But... At the same time, I, I wanted a little more out of it, and I, I've been feeling that for a lot of these episodes. What's your take, Justin? Well, um, I think this episode was a f- – I like this episode, I think, better than you and better than sort of the last couple. Mm-hmm. This episode, I thought, was very fun. I thought the story was fun. The ideas were fun. It, however, to your point, was not funny. Um, I think the jokes especially, I was like – Oh, come on. You can go way harder here with most of these jokes. And they felt like um, just not not ambitious and not uh, – an industry term is a clammy joke, a -hmm. joke that like, "Mm, I've heard this joke enough times that we can't use it anymore. It's a clam. And there were just so many of those in this uh, well-trod jokes that we've all heard before. And it's like you can – you have the resources to write better jokes than this. The only thing I can say is maybe because the animation is such a long process for, for all animated shows, but especially this one felt like on a pretty aggressive timeline. And the animation is great. The fight sequence between mm-hmm. Captain Marvel and Thor was so cool. Um, it may be that the they were writing the scripts very quickly and didn't have the time to punch them up. Because I, mm-hmm. I just can't see how they would not... Uh, make these jokes a little bit better, uh, especially especially um, Darcy stuff. Darcy yes. was very um, obnoxious and not funny. When in the movies, she treads that line really well of being this sort of like, and also in WandaVision, she's very capable and still funny. In the movie, she's more funny than capable, but it, it's still and a little annoying, but the, the mixture's correct. In here, it was just fully wrong. I you're absolutely right about that. I mean, Marvel takes a lot of flack and rightly so that some of their jokes break down to, well, get a look at that guy type of things, that sort of structure. Kat Dennings sells those jokes like she gets those lines in the movies, but makes them work here. Yeah, it, it didn't work. I think part of that also continues to be my problem with when the characters are just standing around talking. There's something about the mouths that look wrong versus the action mm-hmm. animation. And I think you're missing whatever is going on in Kat Denning's face when she's delivering that stuff. Like, she stays pretty still, honestly. Like, her delivery is usually very droll, very flat, purposefully. Oh, okay. But... 
She always has a little bit of something, like a little bit of a spark going on in her eyes, and it's not quite there in here. That said, again, on a positive, the idea of her having a quickie marriage to Howard the Duck is very fun. Very fun. That's a good bit. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of fun here, and I think maybe the the visual jokes were much stronger. Um, the uh, Thor and Jane getting science and magic tattoos I mm-hmm. thought was really funny. All the little um, cameo bits with, like, Rocket passed out in the sink. Um, Howard the Duck, like you said, the, the marriage stuff. Loki showing up as a full-on ice giant and being, like, a bro. A couple of decent lines, I thought, uh... Um, Nick Fury calling Thor uh, Spicoli was a fun, <laughs> slightly mm-hmm. dusty reference. Release the foam, I thought was a great line um, in the uh, dance party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hey, White Snake, like, I- I'm here for those little things. Those are more references than jokes. It was when they started to do a little bit more advanced joke that I think they got into trouble. Not to be comedy snobs, but we are. Yeah, we absolutely are. I, I think the one... Th- uh, character that really did shine in here and is becoming consistently great, obviously in the MCU, but also really in the series is Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Like his bits yeah. as the frost giant were very funny. His delivery was very funny. I couldn't quite wrap my head around the idea. That, you know, they kind of ignore the fact that Loki is supposed to naturally be blue. And when he comes near anything cold, he turns blue. They've ignored that pretty much since the first movie, but it, it the idea that, oh, if he had lived on Jotunheim, he'd also be a full-on frost giant and as tall as a frost giant is a weird idea that I don't want to get into the continuity of all, and I hope they never explain that in any way, but very funny visual, very funny yeah. rapport. Chris Hebsworth, Tom Hiddleston, of course, work really well together, but all of his stuff, like you're saying, of him being a bro and not being involved in any of this stuff. Very funny. Talking on a tiny little phone. Again, a very good visual joke. Yeah. Um, That, again, to me, was the real standout of this episode beyond, like you mentioned, the fight scenes, which are just consistently great on the show. Yeah. I fully agree there. Um, The uh, it's it feels like this this episode was built around the idea around two essential ideas. Let's do sort of a, a party on Earth that mm-hmm. gets busted by Thor's mom. The classic, like, sitcom trope, but on the Marvel scale. Funny idea. I applaud that. And they, it feels like they sort of bat, backed into the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other sort of tentpole of the episode is let's have a killer fight between Thor and Captain Marvel, which I think they achieved great, just really great visual fight um, uh, across the board. So... For, it is a successful episode, and I do prefer – I think this episode should have been maybe one or two ago to mm-hmm. break up the extra dark tone they've had for the past three. Because I think the audience is definitely fatigued of these, like, bummer episodes. Yeah. And Marvel Zombies, while had a little bit of fun in it, still had, like, a dark overtone. If they had slotted this a little bit further, I think they could have varied the pace of the season a little bit and kept it F-U-N. I imagine the idea here, which gets to another slight issue, is that they're teeing up the end game of season one, which obviously is going to include Ultra at the end of the episode, an army of Ultron show up via portal where Thor is. Again, very funny moment with the watcher being like, whoa, that wrapped up really neatly. Huh, that was fun. Very like fourth wall breaking, but a very funny moment from Jeffrey Wright. And then 
this Ultron pops out, suited out with the Infinity Stones. It's Vision's head in there. If you remember from Age of Ultron, the whole goal there was Ultron was going to get in Vision's body. But this gets to something where it's like a total swerve that has nothing to do with the episode. It's clearly a setup for wherever they're heading with this big team up with all these multiversal heroes, which is absolutely fine. But it gets to another issue that I have with this series, which I know we've talked about a bunch and you've definitely really razzed me a bunch about this, but this is consistently not a series that I would recommend to anybody who hasn't watched every MCU film, you know, and that gets to exactly what's happening here where there's so many jokes from the Thor movies that you need to understand, you need to understand why there's a beeper that's calling Carol Danvers. And particularly with the end of the episode teaser, there's so many things you need to understand for the MCU there to get it. It basically breaks down to like a greatest hits album with a bunch of remixes is what I'm feeling about the show right now. I, I, I hear you because I think that is true. But Alex, who are you worried about? Or who are you worried about? Like, uh, uh, is there someone trapped under an avalanche that's somehow living out their life who's like, you're worried if they happen to catch this one episode of What If and they're not going to know? Like, Marvel has fully committed to <laughs> people being like, yeah, you have to watch this shit to get this shit. And it, it's working. So, like, as someone who watches it, I appreciate that I don't have to sit through a repeated uh, explanation the same thing that happens with the Batman origin and the Spider-Man origin and all their movies. It's like, we don't need to say it anymore. Even if you don't get it, you can look it up on your phone after the movie and be like, ah, okay. I, I don't know. Though. I watched this episode and uh, the entire time, uh, nobody explained to me what happened to Peter Parker's uncle. Like, I don't know at the end of this episode. And that's a big open question going into the final episode of Buffett. If, or what happened to Bruce Wayne's parents? Also, we don't know. Yeah, they definitely should have at least shown the pearls fall at the mm -hmm. end of this episode, um, just so we were like, oh, this is a comic book property. Yeah, do you think uh, actually, maybe those weren't Infinity Stones, maybe those were pearls on Ultron, mm -hmm. and there was like a subtle tease of what's coming? Oh, I love the idea that um, Martha Wayne secretly had the Infinity Gauntlet on her neck uh, <laughs> this whole time. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of stuff we need to get to. That's what. That's the what if story we need to hear. Totally, um, because as we all know, with great uh, pearl uh, comes great responsibility. With great pearls comes great oysters. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I always say. Sort of the opposite, really. <laughs> Maybe. All right, we'll workshop that one. So overall, it sounds like you were a little more positive on this episode than I was. But we got two episodes left. I'll be curious to see how much they tie into the overall continuity. We do know. This. I think we're going to get a two-parter. You think so? It brings the whole thing together. I think uh, this was the biggest move as far as combining mm -hmm. multiversal moments here with the Vision Ultron uh, stepping into Thor. And I think we're going to get all of our fun heroes. We're going to get uh, Party Thor teaming up with um, Captain America Britain and, and all of our fun characters, zombies thrown in the mix. Um, fighting against our uh, our bad guys, I think. Yeah, I'll throw another theory, a related theory, out to you. What if the next episode... My assumption is this is a Ultron from another universe who's stepping into the Party Thor universe. So what if we take a step back the next episode, show this alternate what-if Age of Ultron episode, and it ends linking up to that, teeing up the ninth episode of the season, the final episode, which does bring all of those characters together to fight them. Potentially, like you're saying, zombie Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. 
in one battle royale. I think that would be fun. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Approved. Yeah, like, I think it's going to, the final episode will be, what if the question mark at the end of what if was an exclamation point? And it was like, what if? Oh, man, that's going to be so cool. Grammar nerds Punctu- are going to freak. Punctuation. Uh, but I hope thing, they explain Alex, it. I know you're worried. Yeah. Yes. I know you're worried that people are going to be like, well, let's make sure we walk through the keyboard and the different mm-hmm. uh, possible. We, if you, you need to know what a colon is if you're going to know what a Here's question mark is. Here's the thing. I've been reading the AP style guide since I was a kid. So, like, I get this stuff, but I'm not sure that everybody does. So, man, this is gonna be a, it's going to be a tough uphill climb. Why don't we move over to the vision board section yes. of our show where we talk about a bunch of Marvel news items that came out over the past week or so, or even the past day or so. First one, we're going to kick it off with, there was an announcement about Disney Plus Day. We knew this was coming up for a while. This is the second anniversary of Disney Plus on November 12th, and they've been teasing for quite a bit that some big stuff is coming down the <laughs> pike for all of their big properties, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, etc., etc. And now we know a couple of things that are going to be happening there. Uh, first of all, Shang-Chi is going to be free to watch on Disney Plus on that day, which is great. Yeah. Um, so that's very cool. And then the other thing is there's going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe special of some sort that is going to pay tribute to the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and tease things that are coming up. So that last part is the thing that I think we're most concerned with. Given the timing of it, what do you think we're going to see teases of? What possibly could be shown off in this special? I think it's going to be sort of not a tease for a specific project, but a tease for the overall moves in the MCU line. I think we're going to get a real hard direction uh, toward the multiverse here. It would Mm. be my guess. And I mean, what if is sort of, and Loki have laid out a lot of like, here's what the multiverse is. I think we're going to get some clips from that and sort of a full on explanation of what that is. And then a a bunch of teases about what's coming next uh, when it comes to the multiverse. Because it's Disney plus focused, my thought is we're probably going to focus a little more on the series than the movies. Mm. You know, we might get a look at some of them, but I don't think they're going to necessarily show off Spider-Man No Way Home or anything like that, uh, particularly because that's not directly going to Disney Plus after it's in theaters because of the whole Sony of it all. But I do think we'll probably get more of a look of Haw- at Hawkeye. That's coming up pretty quickly. They definitely want people to check that out. But I think we could also definitely see Miss Marvel, maybe a premiere date for that. That was supposed to premiere this year. Now it sounds like it's probably going to premiere next year at some point. So we'll probably find out more and maybe see some first footage from that, which I think would be very cool. Also, other things that are filming, we already have She-Hulk filming. We already have Moon Knight filming. Uh, there's Secret Invasion reportedly is filming. I believe we talked about that on the previous episode. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that even if it's a montage of you know, Samuel Jackson just pulling out a gun and that is their secret invasion thing. That's going to get people hyped up anyway. Just they're going to put 2022 on there and people are going to lose their minds. So uh, I imagine since they usually go bigger than we expect with these things, they might legitimately just lay it all out there, which would be cool. Wow. Um, Just lay it all out there. Kevin Feige got a bearskin rug. (laughs) Dude. Love me. Love me. Kevin Just wearing a baseball screams. cap and that's it. I think that's the plus we wanted out of Disney Plus for quite some time. 
Absolutely. Speaking of plussing things up a little bit, let's move on to some very teeny tiny news that people are still talking about, about Eternals. The rating for Eternals came out and it is rated PG-13 reportedly for fantasy, violence and action, some Mm. language and brief sexuality. So as you can imagine, that last one is the thing people are focusing on spiraling out of control to, oh, we're going to see a sex scene that is going to lead to the birth of Thanos. Which seems like a lot to take from brief sexuality, but what do you think, Justin? Are we going to see a um, Thanos birth scene? Let me see. Just say when I just think of the word, when I see the word brief sexuality, <laughs> I Im- no matter where, I immediately think Thanos is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just me. <laughs> go on. <laughs> um, I will say I, I don't mind that theory too much because. That was something covered in the most recent issue of the comic book, The Eternals. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe there's a little bit of uh, synergy there, and we are going to... Um, I mean, I don't know if that's something that people are dying for. Like, um, when you watch uh, Infinity War, you like, yo, I gotta know where this guy was conceived. <laughs> And but how it, it could happen. I mean, I think they're clearly looking for ways to tie in these movies very heavily and particularly with Eternals taking beyond the entire history of the MCU. Other than these brief mentions we've seen in the trailers of here's why we didn't help the Avengers during Endgame and Infinity War and laying that stuff out there. I do think they're going to give little ties and weaves through there with footage just to show how they have existed throughout this history. So Thanos does seem like a very obvious and easy way of doing that, to your point, since it is already established in the comics. And there is some inherent drama there. Um, if you're not, if you haven't been following the Eternals comic book, which I don't blame you, it has rarely been front and center in the Marvel comic book universe. Um, Thanos was, uh, the Eternals don't mate. They were created by a, a giant machine, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, to live forever so they don't need to um, have offspring. And um, Thanos was a uh, the product of a, a, a tryst where th- these these two characters broke off from the rest of Eternal Society and um, had, uh, had a kid. Um, they were hoping to have this next great uh, generation of, of Eternals. Instead, they had uh, Thanos, who ended up becoming, um, you know, a bit of a finger-snapping monster. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a handful, I would that say. Guys, that kid, huh. and hopefully we're going to get a lot of um, terrible twos, Thanos, mm-hmm. um, and just really see him grow up. Uh, uh, that's that's going to be a delight. And all started with brief sexuality. It, and I will say, it is yes. a bit of a leap to take brief sexuality and uh, pivot to all of this. Um, but what is our job if not to uh, pivot drastically <laughs> into insane thoughts? That's why I'm predicting that Mephisto will be on hand for the birth of Thanos um, to spank the baby. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'll play by Al what is more sexual than Mephisto's costume, which is basically a loincloth? Uh, yes, that's the br- in brief. It, you know, people think brief means short, but it mm-hmm. also means uh, underwear. So I think it's like brief sexuality. Mm-hmm. He's wearing very sexual briefs. Whatever it is, every time you say that, I think Thanos is coming. That's <laughs> Last one to 100%. talk about this drop this week. And this is not actually MCU related, but I thought it was interesting to talk about. Anyway, there was the first trailer for Hitmonkey, which is an animated series based on the very weird Marvel property that is coming to Hulu on November 17th. This is still part of Marvel TV, the thing that was not started but led for a very long time by Jeff Loeb. 
And there was supposed to be, if you remember, a whole slate of animated shows, including Modoc, which already came yep. out, Hit Monkey. There was a Tigra and uh, I'm forgetting who else it was. Maybe Tigra and Dazzler show, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Who knows? And there was one other thing. I really should have looked this up before the show. But point being, there's still these things trickling out from that side of Marvel, which is interesting to see. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I I watched the trailer and it looks fun. Like it looks like an adult swim show if I didn't know it was Marvel. And they're certainly hiding the Marvel branding because it is so violent. It's probably something I'd watch. What about you, Justin? Uh, Yeah, I I agree. Like these these series that you're mentioning um, feel like the forgotten children of uh, the Marvel Universe. They were sort of the separate deal uh, with Hulu and feel like it was it was made in a time long ago and are just now coming out. So it feels a little bit like they've been sidetracked. But because of that, they get to be a little bit weirder. They get to be something we've talked about in this episode, funnier than what is happening in the main Marvel uh, TV uh, shows. So uh, I think it's cool. I I like getting more variety in um, in my Marvel vision. I 100% agree. And folks, if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about What If and the rest of the MCU. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time. Stay marvelous. Thanos is coming. Thanos is coming.